Hello, listeners. This is Scream Queen Brooke Lewis, and I am a huge fan of From Page to Scream. Almost time, kids. The clock is ticking. Be in front of your TV sets for the horathon, and remember the big giveaway at nine. Don't miss it, and don't forget to wear your masks. The clock is ticking. It's almost time. Hey Sean, hey, how David, how's it going? Not too bad, I'm just trying to add Mr. Jake Almond to the call. Stu Miller's already on here. Hi. Hey, how's it going? Full of man flu. Oh no. Yep. <laughs> Did you get your flu shot? Nope, um, that, n- injections, medication, stuff like that just doesn't agree with me, so I just don't bother with that kind of stuff. Just ride it out. Yep. I'm so used to having a cold. I have about 10 a year, so. God. I usually get sick once a year, and it's brutal. And then that's about it. It's normally around Christmas for me as well, which is always the worst thing. So you're trying to work and get Christmas presents in for other people and stuff like that while you feel like you're being hit by a bus. <laughs> yeah. I was, when we just we just had our little, our short play at a theater in New Hampshire, and I was... Won't be a set, guys. Carry on chatting. <laughs> and I was I was sick as hell. I felt like I'd been hit by a bus, but it just... I was fine, and then all of a sudden, we're showing our movie at a theater, and I'm sick. So, it's just it, the it, way shit goes. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's normally my work. If one person gets it, everybody else does, and it's normally the manager who gives it to everybody, so you just <laughs> turn around and hit the manager even more than I normally do. <laughs> Well, I work in a pharmacy for my, my day job. I work in a pharmacy, so sick people are just coming in nonstop all the time. Yeah, I, I work in retail, so you can just imagine you just get, yep. I'm exactly the same, sneezing kids and sneezing old people and stuff like yep. that, handing money, which is probably covered in more germs than anything ever. Money is the dirtiest thing. It is. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to try and watch that Howl movie, but it's not available in the U.S., which one? That Howl, the Paul Hyatt. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was going to try and check that out, um, but it's not available in the U.S. yet. I tried all kinds of different, like, uh, VOD stuff and um, streaming sites and everything. Couldn't find it anywhere because it's not out. Yeah, it, so. it, it, it is really difficult to find. It's one of those instances where us in the U.K., we get a tiny little bit of a heads up. But predominantly, we always get screwed around with pretty much everything else. So, 
Uh, at least we sure do. Yeah, at least <laughs> win win at us with that stuff. For example, I've been trying my best to try and find somewhere that I can see the first episode of Helleviate, which is the Soska Sisters game show on the Game Show Network in America, and it's just a nightmare to try and find it. I think I think I've only like briefly heard about that, and I don't even know the entire plot. I just know that it takes place in an elevator or something. Yeah, it's just I was intrigued by it, so it, it was just it's annoying as hell that, that the fact that you get all of this stuff before we do, and I'm looking around trying to think, where the hell can I watch? I even sent a message to the Soska sisters. Is there anywhere I can see just even one episode of it? And I didn't get a reply. <coughs> I'll chase them up for you. We can carpet bomb their Twitter account. So, so Sean, we've only got you for like half an hour. Because why? Why have we only got you for half an hour? Uh, well, what are you we're, doing? we're trying to we're trying to get some filming done today for our second for our second short. We're taking a break um, for a little bit here, and uh, we got to get back to it. We're it's only it's only like two o'clock in the afternoon here, um, but we're we're burning we're just burning daylight. It's it's going time is moving too fast. There's too much to do and not enough time, but I wanted to get in on the call and I wanted to uh, I wanted to chat with you guys for a little bit. So I think they're going out to look for stuff at a store nearby. So I got I got some time. I always got time for you. Nice. Just don't blame us if like the shooting schedule goes behind you. But like, it was those guys. Oh, I'm just gonna slander you across all social all, all social, all social medias. I'm used to uh, it anyway, so it's fine. I was gonna say it's too used to that. <laughs> Yeah. So, how was your Halloween, Sean? I worked. I, I worked. I I work retail, so I worked until uh, about ten thirty at night. So I didn't really do anything. I did watch Ash vs. the Evil Dead, though. Oh, still, you watched the first episode. Yes, you? I did. I I saw that. I haven't seen it, so you two could have a good old chat about Ash vs. Evil Dead, which has been renewed for a second season already. Which so. is fantastic, in my opinion. Um. I, I just love that Sam Raimi has so much to do with it and Bruce Campbell that it, it just it's it's to me I, I thought it was just a fantastic pilot, fantastic first episode, everything I wanted from Bruce Campbell reprising that role. It was just fun as hell to watch. Sort of. Sort of. It, oh, no. My skeptical brain when I was watching it, I was think I was thinking to myself, this is not going to feel like um, the movie, and how the hell are they going to be able to sustain it through an entire season? And now um, a second season, what what they're going to be able to do it? And the way the pilot did it, it, it sort of like ends off on a cliffhanger of sorts, and so it's starting to feel. It felt to me like it is a movie cut up into pieces, rather than you might get different stories each week. From what I the indication I got with the with the pilot episode, but I did like the humor. The humor's there from more from Army of Darkness than from Evil Dead itself. Uh, so you've got the weird twisted humor, but you've also got the like the dark undercurrents that was always there with the Evil Dead series. So it it definitely feels like Evil Dead. Whereas when I watched uh, the From Dust Till Dawn TV series, I just felt like it was a rehash and it just didn't bring anything new to that. I could only series. I could only watch I think I watched like two episodes of the From Dust Till Dawn TV series and I the hardest thing for me was that I couldn't get past the fact that we were were reliving the Gecko Brothers and it wasn't Tarantino and, and Clooney. Yeah. That that was the hardest I think that was one of the hardest things for me to get to get past. So I never even finished watching it. It felt like you were watching a remake of a film 
just, yeah. just use different actors to play the same characters again with a lower a lower budget and not as much chemistry no chemistry at all between them they just yeah, I, do Clooney and Tarantino I think I think they worked really well together they fed off each other brilliantly whereas the ones in the the TV series just didn't seem to care I enjoyed season 1 I just gave up partway through season 2 because it just went off on that weird whole mystical trippy thing which I'm not a fan of but season 1 I did quite enjoy I don't know I felt like it was kind of phoned in a little bit um but I I really did enjoy Ash versus the Evil Dead um I, there was a lot of stuff that you're right. It brought me back to Army of Darkness. I mean, well, I don't want to say anything though because you haven't seen it, Stuart. So, um, oh but, no, go for it. No, it's fine. By the time I get round to watching it, I'll have forgotten the conversation we had. Oh, all right. <laughs> it's fine. Well, I mean, like just the the references to like the the little the little Bruce Campbells in Army of Darkness and the thing that happens in the episode that you know made me think, oh, that's almost exactly like what happened in army of darkness, but I still really enjoyed it. Um, the gore was pretty good. The special effects, uh, some of the CG was eh, not that great, but I mean, I still really enjoyed it. I just like seeing Bruce Campbell in anything really. Yeah. So do I. It's just, yeah, that I agree with you. The CG, it looked too obvious. Yeah. rather than what it should be like with Evil Dead. Evil Dead has always been about practical effects, even though Fede Alvarez said that predominantly the remake of Evil Dead was uh, practical. Obviously, you have to use um, CGI to touch up some scenes. It still felt most of that was CGI'd, yet this one, it, it just felt a bit fake, which is not the way the Evil Dead should be. They should just go back to sort of like the old dead-eyed-looking skeletons, which look like Ray Harryhausen was the one who's created them, rather than a CGI kind of skeleton. But most of the time, it did work. Yeah, I fully reckon. Oh. Jake, did you check it out? We have Jake on the call now. You've answered, and you're, <laughs> you're being sneaky in the background. Oh man, yeah, I was listening. I was enjoying it because I know I haven't seen it, and I really want to because I'm a huge Evil Dead fan. So I think it's cool that you guys say it has the elements of both. Though uh, I enjoyed, I guess it's a remake, but it's kind of a semi sequel, different kind of take on it of Evil Dead, the reboot or whatever the hell they want to call it. Uh, I enjoyed it, but I know a lot of people were felt like it lost all the humor, but I thought it was more in line with the very first movie, which always struck me as more horrific. Uh, most of the humor came in with the, with army of darkness and evil dead too. But, um, I mean, I yeah. felt like, I felt like there was a lot of, I mean, I think there was maybe only like, there was like 10 people in the theater when I went and saw that reboot. And, um, there were parts, everybody, you're right. Everybody was saying, Oh, it lost the humor. It lost the humor. But I found myself laughing actually pretty frequently yeah. because I enjoyed it. I mean, I enjoyed it. I, I thought it was it was extremely dark humor, but it was pretty friggin' funny in some parts. But um, I, I think that's I think that's it. You just have to have that. You have to have a certain sense of humor, and, exactly. and um, yeah. And then I was the same way. I, I had fun with that movie, uh, but at the same time, I, you bring Bruce Campbell into it, you definitely uh, it definitely wouldn't have had the same tone. So I love the fact that they're that they're doing the show, and I'm looking forward to watch it. But I don't have stars. So I don't. I'll have to check it out when it comes out on Blu-ray or if it hits some type of video on demand. So we, uh, my wife has access to uh, Xfinity with Comcast or whatever, and that's what we watched it on. We don't even have television. We just watched it on Xfinity, and um, it aired 
they put it on Xfinity the same night that it airs. So um, that was kind of oh, cool. cool. Yeah. So well, it was I'm neat, definitely though. looking forward to it. It was neat. I liked it. And I and can't you guys see were how t- I watched it, though, because considering in the UK it's not being picked up by any kind of network over here, so... Yeah, Stu has this uh, satellite dish that he has. There's a little bit of a technical malfunction to it, and sometimes <laughs> pick up programs oh, I, I, that aren't even out in the oh, UK. Oh, the good old days. Yeah, yeah. Stu, you, I, have Stu, a, you need, I have a magic finger. I have E.T.'s finger, which I'm allowed to point at the television, which changes it to whatever <laughs> I want wow. I thought maybe you bought the satellite dish from the guy from Stay Tuned. You know, <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> Stu, would you like me to tweet out that you have a magic finger? Please don't, no, because then I'll get followed by loads of dodgy... I will, I will retweet you, Stuart. <laughs> Favourite. So, yeah, Sean's taking a break from filming. He's busy filming a short film, so we've got him for probably about 20 minutes or so. Yeah, thereabouts. Um, and then he's going to run away and just neglect the podcast. Yeah, uh, I feel bad. Mid-show. <laughs> hey, man, that's awesome. What do you, uh, I'm sure you guys have already talked about it, but... Uh, actually, I don't. I don't think we did. We're we're filming our second short. It's it's called No One when No One Knows, and uh, it is linked. Uh, it's kind of hard to say without giving out to, without to something. Yeah, it was. Well, it's, it's linked to the. It's linked to the first short we did, Taken from Silence. Um, but in a very kind of strange way, it, it's going to be a wild ride. So. Uh, oh. Okay. Yeah, I remember you were on. You were on the show with Stu and Stuart and Lauren before, weren't you? Talking yeah, about yeah, that. yeah, absolutely, yeah. That. yeah okay, oh, cool. wow, that's kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I listened to the nice. show. I love the show. <laughs> now, so all you guys are horror fans, aren't you? You class yourself all as horror fans? Oh, for absolutely. sure. Oh, I'm scared of I've got a quiz kind of thing that I was going to do at the end, but because Sean's only going to be here for like 20 minutes, do you fancy doing it now, Sean? Oh, See it. I have a list of the top 100 horror films of all time as suggested by a website. I don't want to tell you what the website is because you might be able to click on it and look at it and get the answers. I I am going to read them out from number one to number two and the three on and so on. It is who can get to the highest uh, before they hit a film they've never seen. Okay. Okay. All right. So keep keep score. I'm I'm, going to lose this one for sure. There's a ton of shit I haven't seen, but... So if you just go seen it, seen it, seen it. If you've not seen it, give us a shout. Number one, Exorcist. Seen it. Seen, seen it. it. Number two, The Shining, seen 1980. Seen, seen it. Number three, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, 1974. Seen it. Seen it. Number four, Rosemary's Baby. Yep. Seen it. Seen it. Everybody up. Alien is number five. Yep. Seen it. The Thing. Seen it. Number six. One of my favorite movies. Seen that. Absolutely. Uh, John Carpenter's Halloween. <laughs> Halloween. Yeah. Halloween. Oh, yeah. Nineteen seventy-eight. Uh, Psycho. Yep. Seen it. That Hitchcock, nice. yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Night of the Living Dead, 1968. Yep. Yes. Seen it. Jaws, 75. Really classing Jaws as a, a horror movie. <laughs> oh, God, yes. No, I wouldn't class it as a horror film, oh. but seen it. Every, God, everybody yes. does, but I've never I thought don't. about it. it. Yeah, I mean, but I've just meant, like, you know, in general it does get classified that way, but yeah. I've always found that weird, you know. Yeah, same uh, thing. Number, number 11, Elm Street. Of 84. course. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Number 12, Don't Look Now, 1973. Yes, ha- I have not seen that. I will admit I haven't Ooh. seen that one either. I know oh. what it is. Oh, you two are out then. Right, okay. <laughs> so you got to 12. Oh. There we go. Um, Suspiria, 1977. Love that film. Very tense. Yes. Poltergeist. Yes, of course. First horror film I ever watched. 
Do I, Kyrie, do I still get to say seen it even though I lost? <laughs> yeah, I'm, fil- nope. I'm feeling the need to do that too, but go ahead. Nope, unless you go back and watch number 12. All right. <laughs> I'll be right back. Uh, we have Nosferatu, Love Nosferatu. The Allman, 1976. Yes. America Werewolf in London, yes. 1981. Oh, man, I wish that you could have put Don't Look yep. Now like, later in the list. Man. Yep. Go ahead. That at 100. Number, nine, number 19, Let the Right One In. I love Let the Right One In. Blair Witch. Of course, yes. Number 20. Dawn of the Dead from 1978. Yes. Number 22 is Frankenstein, number 31, uh, 1931. Yes. Uh, this one I haven't seen. It is The Haunting from 1963. I have seen it, yes. Right, I'm out at 23. Right, let's see how high you can go then, Stu. Uh, in 1987, Evil Dead 2. Yes, of course. The film that John Fouts was apparently on the set of. To quiz him more about that. Uh, the Fly, 1986. Yep. The Innocence, 1961. Yep. Really? Yes. I have not heard of yeah. that one. Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Yep, I really like that one. Good, man. Body Snatchers, yeah. The Birds. Uh, yes, I actually watched that for the first time when I was in holiday in Denmark at the age of eight. Jesus. Oh. Number 29, Freaks, 1932. Love that film. Very weird film, but love that film. I like Evil the guy Dead. that lights the match with his weird foot or something. Yeah. It's a very freaky <laughs> one. The original Evil Dead. Yes. Silence of the Lambs. Yes. Repulsion by Roman Polanski, 1965. I have not seen Repulsion. Right, you got up to number 32. <laughs> I would have... So if, if, uh, man, if you hadn't thrown that damn Donald Sutherland movie in there, or whatever it was, <laughs> we would have been okay. So, I don't even well, know. I was still, <laughs> so if anybody listening has seen all 32 of those, drop me a tweet or an email, and I will carry on going down the list just to see how high. But the current record stands at 32. Oh, I thought you were going to say, we'll give you a... Eat, you, we'll give you a copy of all the films on Blu-ray. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, no. If I have all those on Blu-ray, I'm keeping them. I went through my uh, pile of DVDs that I own, but I've never seen. I'm up well over 100, so I'm not going to buy any more DVDs for the rest of the year, and I'm going to try and get some watch, because 100 for a stockpile is not... That's not clever. <laughs> now, that's kind of weird, because you ended up at 32, right, Stu? So weren't you the 32nd best Peggle player in the world? <laughs> that, that, that's just eerie that isn't it that I'm 32nd best peggle player in the world damn it never thought about that wow dude yeah, 32 is an important number for you that's strange <laughs> that's that's your spirit number yeah. yeah is there any strange film have you looked over the entire 100 list is there any strange films in that 100 which you never expected to be in there um, so far, not really. There's a few that I've not heard of. Um, Devil's Backbone's in there, Pan's Labyrinth. I thought you were going to say you've never heard of The Devil's Backbone. <laughs> oh, I thought no, 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 that no. too. I was oh, like, no. what? <laughs> I've got that. Um, Inside, The Devil's, Cannibal Holocaust video. Inside, How about in Costello Meet Frankenstein? Oh, that's, that's good. Yeah. Possibly. <laughs> King Kong. Again, would you class King Kong as a horror film? That's horror. Maybe at the time. I, I, I never thought of that as a horror movie. Yeah, that's yeah maybe at the time it was terrifying, a giant monkey, yeah. I guess. Yeah. I mean, exactly. it's a, it's a, I guess it's kind of a monster movie, maybe. I don't know. That's crazy. I mean, Jaws is more horror than King Kong, even. I mean, that's just... That's crazy. Oh, hell yeah. But yeah, so 32 is the current winner. So not so much of a quiz, but just a fun way to see who's seen more horror films and shock horror uh, now I'm going to have to go watch Don't Look Now or whatever it was called because yeah, yeah. I feel like a failure now. <laughs> and I'm going to have to watch Repulsion so we can do this again and get past 50 for me or something like that. Definitely. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Well, I think you'll like Repulsion, Stuart, or Stu, because I think Wes Craven cited that as one of his inspirations for Nightmare on Elm Street. So. I'm definitely going to have to watch it now then, if that's the case. 
There you go. Yeah, I'm just explaining to uh, Stu earlier on that we are trying to get everything scheduled with the podcast nuts, and Lauren unfortunately isn't here for this episode because she's busy working. So we do miss Lauren, but she'll be back on the next one. So cool, cool. Because we can't not do a horror podcast on Halloween weekend. It just don't work, does it? No, yeah, it, it had to happen. You're hard to happen. So there you go. Did you guys watch anything cool for Halloween? Ooh, Sean. No, that's the, the only thing I, I was gonna watch. I was gonna watch late phases, um, but it was like one o'clock in the morning, and I decided to just watch Ash vs. the Evil Dead instead. <laughs> and I went to see a screening of uh, Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse. Was that good? Yeah, it was. It was something weird in in the UK. Um, before every film is shown, you get the the classification from the BBC shown up. So I don't know if you get that in in America with the MPAA. Do you? Yeah, it? we do. Yeah, we get it. Yeah. yeah, we get so we get that before the the film uh, starts. Well, something strange happened uh, at the start of Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse. There was the Irish rating board classification popped up <laughs> instead of the BBFC one, which is hmm. uh, it's never happened in every single film I've ever seen at the cinema before. That's never happened. So I, I don't know. The film itself has been classified by the BBFC because it's got a fifteen. So when the age certificate came up and it was the Irish board, it was a fifteen year. Which was just really strange for me. Hmm. But yeah, it, it's it's a lot of fun. It, it's um, it's a comedy horror movie. Loads of gore. Some really funny moments in the film as well. So yeah, it, it works on on both levels because it's a hard thing to do uh, melding comedy with horror. You need to actually be, be successful in both areas. And in this case, it actually did work. It it, it was really funny. There's some very toilet humor jokes in it, but in a way that works with horror. And then oh, the, yeah. the, the horror part, it needs to be, it, it's very CGI'd heavy, but the way the CGI is handled is sort of like slightly forgiven, considering one of my pet peeves is CGI blood. I hate CGI blood in, in horror films, and it, it works for this, because when you see an exploding head, it's going to be really difficult to do um, now, now with um, C, without CGI, so yeah, it, it works fine with it, but I enjoyed it. Cool. You're talking about comedy and horror. I did, I did rewatch. Um Return of the Living Dead, and that's probably my favorite example of just yeah. absurd horror and or absurd comedy and horror. And it's so funny, but it actually manages to be kind of intense. Yeah, brain. Uh, yeah, I love I love that. <laughs> okay, no more holds up. I think Tucker and Dale versus Evil is probably my favorite comedy horror movie of all that time. That was awesome. That was awesome. I enjoyed that one too. Yeah, it's just when somebody accidentally in big massive air quotes misses you and lands in a wood chipper yeah. you've, you've got to find that funny rather than grotesque it was, it was great I think the scene where he goes up to them to try to talk to them at the gas station and he's just oh like the, the, the most the <laughs> scariest redneck ever you know? <laughs> he's was, like yeah I just was, laugh just laugh and smile yeah <laughs> his laugh is just insane yeah I was, yeah that was awesome. That was just it, awesome. It set the tone for the whole movie. I and I live, I live in the South, in the American South. <laughs> oh, I know man. people like that. <laughs> it's all this great. I live up in New Hampshire, yeah. which is different. And, and people not so much <laughs> like that up there. Nah, <laughs> no, there's plenty of there's plenty of people like that. They just have to wear winter jackets. Yep. <laughs> Not the sleeveless buckles up. No sleeveless shirts and overalls. So. Yeah. <laughs> How would you describe the people where you are, Steve? Oh God. <laughs> the, 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 That's probably a perfect description, actually. Um, oh God. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um. I am. Mm. It's 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 the kind of thing if you let a redneck shag somebody from Chernobyl. <laughs> <laughs> no offense to rednecks out there, but like the, the like really really bad rednecks who have one tooth and it's a middle tooth and they use that to open up cans. And if you meld that with somebody from Chernobyl and then their uncle is uh, sloth from the Goonies, then pretty much close to what people are like. Is it kind of like the remake of The Hills of Eyes? No, they're actually better looking. Are they alright? Yeah. Wow. I feel like it's offensive. Through the Hills of Eyes? The Hills of Eyes people, so... You, know, you can't... The, the thing is, you can't be slightly offensive with people from Chernobyl because it's just dead there, so... <laughs> Yeah, it's horrible here. Wow. I kind of get that impression. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> what is your uh, ultimate Halloween movie then, Sean, as we sort of approach the fact that you're going to bail on us? And oh, go back and man. Ultimate Halloween. I think you asked me that. You asked me something similar to that, like, what's my favorite scary movie or something like that last time. Yeah. That's, it's just like, is there, is there is a traditional so one that you generally watch around? The Halloween time. For me, it's like Night of the Living Dead. I usually watch um, Trick or Treat, which is one that Stu and Lauren introduced me to last year, is one. Trick or Treat's um, fun. I I really, I really, really, really enjoy John Carpenter's The Thing. Um, That, for me, is a movie that I could watch any time of the year, but I do like to sit, like, in a dark room and just watch The Thing. The special effects were so far ahead of their time when that movie came out. I mean, it was just crazy. And they still Absolutely. hold up, I agree. They I just do, they last hold night, up. So. They, yeah. they do hold up. The the practical special effects are just insane in that. I think it, um, with that as well, it's not just down to the special effects, it's down to the people's reactions, because it's yeah. really hard to react against something that's CGI rather than something that's practical. So you've got both the practical effects and the reactions from the people, and so that, that's what adds more to it, and that's why they hold up still. Well, it's Absolutely. so eerie. They're so eerie looking, and, and like and like you said, the act the actors are. I think that's what you know. Different types, different tones in the film, but I think that's what made uh, Return of the Living Dead so much fun to go back and watch too. Is the way that people are reacting to the situation that has a sense of like like that's probably how we would act in that situation. So I love the the paranoia and the thing is perfect, and and I get sucked into that every single time. Uh, that's why they're. I- I appreciate directors who do that, who, who go out their way to create something practical rather than CGI. Even if it's a film that I don't like, um, or a director I don't like, if they will use practical effects over CGI, then I'll appreciate it slightly more, apart from if your name's Uvia Ball. <laughs> no matter what it is, I can't appreciate him at all. Because he's trash. Yeah. Uh, they, there was a, real quick, there was something that I heard about the thing, someone, some fan theory about the thing, and it made me extremely happy. At the end of the movie, when Childs and uh, shit, Kurt, Kurt Russell are sitting there and they share, he offers him the whiskey. That is your cue that Childs is the thing. Because hmm. Kurt Russell knows that that's gasoline because he made Molotovs. Okay. Mm. I thought you were going to go for the one that, um, where there's no breath. And you're like, that's what. Oh, shit. I didn't indicate. There's no breath? I got to go. No, I I it's, go. it's one of the characters. Apparently, it's Man, I gotta go the way they shot the it. thing, but one of the characters doesn't have the 
you know, there's not a breath coming out of his mouth. See, there, there's an example. Okay. That there's, there's proof that the thing is that's such a good film because in 20 years' time, how many how many people are going to have a conversation about, say, uh, for example, the remake of Evil Dead uh, with the CGI, all the CGI in it, or the remake of the, well, the prequel to the thing, the Matthias von Heijingen Jr. one? How many people are you going to get people theorizing about that? You're not. Yeah. None. None. <laughs> None. I mean, You're right. I, I mean, they, I it is, it. it's still a conversation. I enjoyed the the prequel for what it was, um, but it's not something that 20 years from now I'd be talking about. Yet in 20 years from now, I still will be talking about the thing, the John Carpenter one, so... And I think it does come down to um, that that ending being... Uh, in some movies, the bleak ending or the ending that kind of leaves it all open is not satisfying at all, but for the thing, it always worked for me. Um, it, it just led up to that. There's no other way to end that in a, in a cooler way than the way it ended. The, uh, the, the, another thing about it though, I, like you said, it's, it's such a well-made movie. And I think the reason we think about it as a classic, but it was, a, didn't it bomb when it first came out? I know it did here. Oh yeah. Well, it came out in the sort of same year as E.T. did. So everybody was like, yay, fluffy aliens. Yeah, right, yay. right. M&Ms. And then the thing came out. People were like, oh, shit. <laughs> they were like, they were a bit sort of freaked out and unnerved. So, yeah, it it was just a victim of really bad timing coming out, unfortunately. Which is crazy, though. I mean, I, just, I guess, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if the same exact movie came out now. If it, you know, it'd probably be the same situation. But that was just a great flick. So. But yeah. I, I think the fact that we are, that it, it's been rediscovered over the years, and people I hear people talk about that movie all the time, which makes me happy. So. Me too. So, yeah, just uh, let me know when you need to leg it, Sean. Uh, yeah, I got I got a little I got a little while longer. Nobody nobody's yay. gotten back from the from the store yet. So, um, you'll, when they come by, you'll, go, probably, you know you'll probably hear them bust into their room, and they'll probably be talking real loud, and then I'll have to give them a sharp glare. So are we going to hear the sound of Peggle again? No, no. Actually, no. there's some exploding <laughs> zoo game on the TV right now. Um, <laughs> I don't really know what's going on, but they're just getting penguins and like blowing up aliens with them. Okay. Wow. At, at some point, I'm going to chuck in the hand grenade um, that I did go and watch Spectre, but I don't really want to set Stu off on a run just yet. Yeah, please don't. Because by the way, you didn't like Spectre. No, I didn't. But uh, great film. The opening, <laughs> do you hate Ken James Bond? Pretty much, I love yes. James Bond. He's amazing. Why James do you hate Bond. James Bond? I, I, because he's a heathen. No, James. No, James Bond's not a heathen. Stu's a heathen. Yeah, I, I like just never. Bond. I just never got on with the character. Never got on with the films at all. I didn't find them interesting. I didn't find them entertaining. I didn't find them fun. I didn't find any of the set pieces and character development and stuff like that worked for the film. So, I just wanted to hear what you said. I don't really like Bond either, but. I just wanted to know what your reasoning yeah. was. <laughs> well, um, it's amazing. Well, I don't think it's, I don't. I think that really don't like is is not strong enough a word for how he feels about it. <laughs> yeah, it's surprising, isn't it, to hear somebody from the UK not like James Bond movies? But I, yeah, I don't like that. And I'm also one of the rare people who didn't like The Exorcist. So that's what I do. I do want to talk to you real quick about that. I get now. This is what I will say. I think that it sucks every time there's one of those top 10 or top 100 or top 50 or whatever scary movie lists that come out and they always put the exorcist at number one i think that sucks I do you know why it is at number one no because i do uh, you can tell me in a minute i just always assumed it was because of popular culture uh it definitely left a, a mark when it came out for sure 
everybody went to see that movie. People that don't even like horror movies went to see that movie, and it like it's one of those movies that when it came out, it was so popular that it revamped the genre in its image. Like everybody was doing religious, you know, paranormal type movies there for a little while, and a couple good ones came out of that, like The Omen and things like that. But for the most part, everything that came out that tried to be it sucked. It, it did a lot of damage in a lot of ways, but I don't think that's the film's fault. I do think it. I, mean, you, I do think it sucks when it's the number one scariest movie of all time, and that's like the marketing. I do like the movie though, but I like it for different reasons than the scary stuff. I actually enjoy the characters and the the build up and all that. But um, did you not like uh, Repossessed, starring Leslie Nielsen? Oh God! <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the the reason it is number one is if you watch that film and you keep reminding yourself it came out in 1973. And it is a massive... It's a bit like Jaws. I saw Jaws on the big screen when it came out. It was on like four or whatever, so I can't remember it then. But I've seen it on VHS and stuff years. Oh, yeah. But Jaws is just a fantastic and, film, though. But, yeah. But it's it's kind of like... There's Jaws, there's Jurassic Park, and there's The Exorcist. that are very, very different films if you watch them on a massive screen with the Dolby setup. Hey, man. I love The Exorcist. That's why I wanted to talk to Stu. I'm yeah. just saying, like, I don't... Uh, I think they're much better movies in the horror genre that represent the genre better than that i just as a film though judging it on its own i love that movie i'm i try to convince people that won't i still know people to this day that won't watch it because they just are afraid of it which is funny to me i'm like you have to see this movie (laughs) it's not what you think it is but people won't watch it so uh, second one's better no no god (laughs) (laughs) dominion dominion is the best one Yes. That's what cool. about The yeah. Exorcist Three? That was that one I actually liked as well. So I'm not not the, the Exorcist film that shouldn't have been an Exorcist film. Right. Quick, put some exorcism in it. Yeah. Right. But it's still a good movie. It's it's cool. What about? Well, but what is it, Stu? Do you really hate the movie? You just think it's overrated? It was for when I watched it the first time. I was nine when I first saw The Exorcist. It was <laughs> don't do. Um, I know that it's just watching movies like that. that, that you Thanks, know, babysitter. Yep, I, I was, well, I watched Poltergeist when I was two, and that was, that is my first ever horror film that I saw, and I was addicted to horror from there, because I loved the little girl character in it, and uh, I used to annoy my parents by constantly walking, to, or walking up to the television and hope to be sucked into it, put my hand up to the TV, and yeah, that, that just never happened, so you can just imagine me at that age be, just being really annoyed, but yeah, I watched... I watched The Exorcist when I was like eight, nine year old, and my cousin was the one who showed it to us on VHS when my parents were out, and I just, I was bored. I, I didn't find it interesting whatsoever, and it might have just been because of the fact that you hear a lot of things about horror films, and I, I had a horror brain then, because I used to love watching the black and white Dracula movies and Frankenstein films, and uh, Nosferatu, I saw Nosferatu when I was six, so yeah, it, it, it I know it, it's. I'm a weird. I was a weird child. Another one. I got bullied constantly in school. But yeah, I just didn't like it. I didn't latch on to any of the characters at all in the film. I, I didn't find Regan very. It, it sounds weird, but relatable as a kid, considering that she was a child. And when I watched it, um, I just didn't relate to her character at all. I didn't find it scary. Um, a lot of the swear words that she was saying was pretty much the first time that I heard uh, some of those swear words, but I just giggled at them because it, it's sort of like a no-no kind of word, and the scene that when she masturbates with the cross, it, it is another one of those giggly kind of moments because you haven't a clue what the hell she's doing. <laughs> okay, I, I thought you were going to say because that, that happens in my house all the time. So. 
That's something no, only the adults do. I can respect that because my initial, like, when I saw it, I was a teenager. Uh, when we saw it the first time, we grew up hearing about how horrible it was and how evil it was because <laughs> I grew up in a, you know, kind of a religious area. And it had a reputation, you know. And a friend of mine, they they had it on VHS for like $25. That's freaking expensive for a VHS tape. But uh, we went in, we put it, our money together and went and bought it and watched it. And we hid it from, we hid it from his parents. <laughs> he didn't want his parents to know that he had bought it. So uh, it was kind of funny. But when we watched it, we were like, this is what everybody was upset about? Really? I mean, because by that time we had seen, you know, horror movies that came out after and and like Stuart says, I can, you know, if you put yourself in that mindset and go, you know, of what it probably was like if you saw it back when it first came out, it was pretty shocking. But when I read the book as an adult, uh, I really liked the book. And then I went back and watched the movie again and appreciate the film for different things than probably what I was looking for when I was 16 or whatever when I bought it. So yeah, that I um, I, re- I re- obviously I rewatched The Exorcist because you can't make a judgment when you're a child. No offense to children, but it, it's really no, difficult thing to do. You, um, even when you watch a Disney film as a child, when you rewatch it again as an adult, you'll appreciate it for different reasons. Because Disney films were always dark, but you never see the darkness in a Disney film when you're a child. You always see everything that that's like. You look at Bambi, for example. A kid is not going to be fully affected by the death of uh, Bambi's mother. He's more interested in the character relationship with Thumper. And so you, right. when you rewatch a, a film again when you're an adult what, that you used to watch as a child, it might have a different impact on you. So I, I saw it again when I was 19, The Exorcist, in cinemas because um, it was re-released in cinemas for a little while in the UK. And I watched it again, and I, I still had exactly the same kind of feelings, obviously apart from me relating to uh, the character of Reagan, because obviously I was much more older than the character was in the film. But I, I still had the same kind of thoughts when I was a, a child, that the film itself wasn't as good as a lot of people made it out to be, and pretty much very boring. The, the Blair Witch Project suffers the same sort of thing. I love the Blair Witch Project, but I know a lot of people who... Uh, fell for the super hype and then watched it and thought this isn't as good as I've been told. I think The Exorcist kind of falls into that trap for a lot of people as well. I I think The Exorcist is well made though. I enjoy oh very much. So. Well, I mean, I enjoy freaking style. I like the fact that when he the way he cut it together and the way he shot it, it was almost like a documentary style. I know that it doesn't come across that way necessarily. The way like Blair Witch is obviously film footage or whatever, but um. The Exorcist is interesting because he doesn't go like he. I don't. I don't know if this is entirely true, but as far as I can remember, and from how I've read it and analyzed for a long time, that if you watch it, he doesn't cut back to the same shot ever. And uh, you know, he he. It's a different shot every time it cuts. It's a different shot. He doesn't just go. You know, like in a conversation where a film will do its. You know. It's a uh, you know wide shot, and then it'll you know go to its clever- coverage of both sides of the conversation, and it kind of cuts over the shoulder, and that's sort of, there's not a whole lot of like traditional cutting in The Exorcist. It, it has a much more like uh, documentary uh, intimacy feel to it, and and there's some really I mean I I enjoy the uh, the characters. I, I like the, the the detective Kinderman. I like the, the Father Marin, the priest. Uh, I like the the other priests, the Father Damien or whatever. I like his crisis of faith that he's going through. I mean, that stuff's all interesting to me in the movie. So when it gets into the demon stuff, that's just kind of icing on the cake. I actually enjoy all the, the reasons why people say it's slow and boring. I guess for whatever reason, I enjoy that. <laughs> but yeah, 
I can understand why. For like, it's never a movie that I've ever been like. Here's a group of people coming over to watch horror movies. Let's put in The Exorcist. I don't no, think it would play. Too, I don't think it would. Yeah, it's too slow. It's too slow. It's too. Burn. It's, it's, too um, it's also too risky, isn't it? It's not one of these films because you've got to be really careful reviewing, uh, giving films recommending. That's what I'm looking for. Recommending films to people because if you give them one that they don't like, they just don't ever follow your recommendation again. I think The Exorcist is too risky. Well, and I think that you, you will, will love it. That, cause, you, know. you may get that one person in the room that that um, uh, will will find it very offensive even today. So you just have to kind of know the people. But yeah, to me, it's never a movie that I put on for other people or even tell people that they have to see it so much as other than like close close friends. But I personally enjoy it. I understand. I understand what Stu's saying though. I could definitely see it. See what and, he's getting at. And for me, the less said about the Godfather, the better. As well, <laughs> you you are not going to say you don't like the Godfather. I am going to no, say I don't like the Godfather. What, oh my what's, gosh. what's the matter <laughs> with you? We'll, we'll just leave I it there because that, that opens up a big, a huge mass of kind of worms. So the Godfather is a fascist. Dude, do you just hate the seventies, man? Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> no, I like the seventies. <laughs> you just hate the Exorcist and the Godfather. Do you like Rocky <laughs> the first one? I like Rocky. Yes. That's oh, all right. That's too, no, uh, his favorite was Rocky Four. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I love Rocky IV. I like all of the... Hey, I even like Rocky V. I'll admit, I like all of them. Uh, so. I won't go that far, but... Yeah. Have you guys ever seen Have you guys ever seen the movie Nails by Andrei Iskanov? Uh, nope. No. Don't, I might have done, actually. Don't waste, Maybe, your, I don't, don't waste your time. No, I've not seen it. Then. If you guys had seen it, I was going to make a joke about how it's the best horror movie I've ever seen. But uh, since you haven't seen it, it's it's terrible. And don't waste your time. Well, I will. Uh, I feel complete now because I've been wanting to have that conversation with Stu. So that's cool. Thanks, Stu. You're welcome. <laughs> Isn't it weird? Cause, uh, it's weird when you have your own podcast and you then you end up on a podcast with the other hosts. It's kind of surreal because you. Well, no, I've, I've heard Stu mention. I have heard Stu mention it a few times, but I've never heard his reasoning, and I've always just been interested. I always, I mean, his reasoning is completely valid. I understand that it's different than just saying like, yeah, I don't know. I just hate that movie instead of yeah. like actually having a reason to hate it you know or people that'll write off an entire genre because eh, i don't like zombies so i never watched it you know yeah, something I, like that. i've got a friend who says that about Shaun of the dead and i've still yet to get the reason why he does not like Shaun of the dead right it's not human. yeah i like Shaun of the dead wife, but i still love it yeah, i love it i thought it, i mean i I'm actually not a huge zombie fan, but there are, like, Night of Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead are two of my favorite movies of all time. And Return of the Living Dead, Shaun of the Dead. And then there are a few others, but there's a lot of zombie movies that I just don't care about. You know? I'll still they, watch they, them. They just been just crank, they've been cranking them out and beating the genre to death. I mean, no yeah. pun intended. But, <laughs> I mean, it's, they just they just crank out these crappy, crappy, crappy horror zombie movies that are terrible. And they just don't have any depth to them. They're just like, eh, if we put zombies in it, that's what people are buying nowadays. So, you know. Yeah, it's mainstream now. And I know people that don't even like horror would never even give horror movies a t- the time of day. But they love The Walking Dead, stuff like oh, of that. Course. You know? And that's fine. But, well, I mean, The Walking Dead, that's a good show. But yeah, yeah, right. you, yeah, you look at horror these days and you think, which, uh, what part of horror is the one which is the most effective? And for me, it's human <laughs> horror where you've got no supernatural characters in it whatsoever. It's all about human characters doing horrible things to other humans. 
So those yeah. kind of tense kind of movies like The Guest and Your Next and The Strangers and Inside and um, Ill or movies like Wolf, that. Wolf Creek. Martyrs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, Martyrs. Boy, I love Wolf Creek, yeah. So they, going, well, go, going back a little bit in time, a movie that never got a lot of love that's one of my all-time favorites since I was a kid that I just rewatched was People Under the Stairs, and I love it for the same reason. Yeah. It's It's weird, but... There's a lot of subtle stuff going on there, uh, the abuse and and all the you know the kind of hiding it away and in like an upper class kind of you know home like this rich family or whatever. They're weird and they're incestuous and they're cannibals, and, but there's but you almost forget all that stuff going on when you're watching the movie. It's all kind of hidden. It's it's creepy as hell, but it's funny too. It's I don't know. That's a weird movie. <laughs> I love it. I don't, I don't know. But, yeah, that's Wes Craven, right? I don't know if I've seen that one. Yeah. Oh, it's, it yeah, is. it is, Wes. Yeah. It's like early 90s, wasn't it? Directed. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good film. So it's got uh, a couple of people from Twin Peaks in it. Yeah. So, but yeah. It's it's Good. worth watching, man, but it, 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 I think it just, people didn't know how to take it. But for me, it's always it always plays well. I don't I, I enjoy it. But it's sort of like what Stu's saying. It's no supernatural. It's no, it's not the living dead or anything like that. It's just people being horrible, you know. I think that's some of the most effective stuff because it's it's based in reality. Yeah. Tis, uh, yeah. I'm still so should I watch Wolf Wolf Creek Two, Stu? No. Nope. Don't no. Nah. No. No. Because what, what the, the director decided to do with uh, Wolf Creek Two was just go, let's just make it even more gorier than the original, and that's about it. Take away any of the tension. Take away pretty. It's a very dark humor film. Um, you, there is some really twisted humor in that film, but it, it does work the, the humor. But it, it, it's lacking completely in the sequel. The sequel is pretty much oh, the first one was successful. It's called let's just sort of like rehash it in a way but make it ultimately gory which they think it might be better when in fact it doesn't because the whole point of Wolf Creek is characters rather than over the top gore yeah I agree and to me it put movies like that were getting more attention at the time like Hostel and movies like that it put those to shame to me I really enjoyed the first Wolf Creek I thought it was cool and and it was and it did spend all it was a slow burn too but and it was incredibly gory when it got to it but it wasn't like you said it was with a purpose yes so, I enjoyed it's a bit that. like they did with the Saw movies. First one, fantastic horror thriller, and then they kind of just went, "Oh, everybody likes it because of the gore. Let's do the gore and get rid of the storyline." Right. Even even the second one was okay, but yeah, you, they went off the rails. Yeah. Cool. So, have you got um, other than your filming, Sean? What you got planned? You got any movies lined up to watch, or um, do you not work like that? Do you just watch things when you've got the time? I, you know, it's more when I've got the time. I mean, I work I work full time retail, so I'm pretty much I live at the store, and then when I get home, I'm usually lately I've been absorbed by Destiny. Um, I've been playing that game a lot, too much. Me too. Too much. Me too. Um, yeah. But I, I watched a movie recently called Almost Mercy that has Bill Mosley and Kane Hodder in it, and that was a surprisingly good. That was a surprisingly good watch. I I want to see uh, I want to see Crimson Peak, um, just because I'm a huge Guillermo del Toro fan, and I don't think you'll be disappointed. That that was really cool. 
Yeah, I, I want to check that out. I, I'm pretty excited about that. Um, I, yeah, no, not much. I mean, we, we're we trying to finish up this second short. I'm writing a comic book script right now that is, like, half done. for the. It's like supplemental stuff for the first one. And um, the art's coming along really cool. It's going to be pretty pretty brutal like the first panel is like a hammer smashing someone's head so the minute you open the comic it's just in your face it's going to be great um (laughs) but uh that's pretty much it i mean we're just trying to finish up our little our little trilogy and then we're going to try and do a feature nice so keep him busy I can relate to the, you know, being mashed in the head because it's a bit like if we ever decided to do a best films of the 70s and invited Stu Miller, <laughs> it would be <laughs> quite painful. I'll be, more at home if you said, I'll be more at home if you said best movies of the 1910s and 20s and 30s, never mind 70s. So. God, I think I saw a film <laughs> from 1910 once. <laughs> Just not many of them. Now, you get Stu and I talking about the Universal movies from the 30s. I'm all about that. That's awesome. Yep. Yeah. I like some of those. I bought a box set a few years ago with all well, a lot of those in and uh, hammered through them. I've still got the little statues that came with it, the Dracula and the Frankenstein and the Wolfman and stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, definitely. How was your, uh, your Comic-Con footage, Stuart? It was... I got a lot of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know how many hours I've got, but it was um, yeah, it was a really good Comic-Con. Met Edward James Olmos, RJ Mitty from Breaking Bad. Um, who else did I meet? Who else, who else did I meet? Uh, Saul Rubinek from True Romance, who I got him to tell the audience to go fuck themselves, which was amazing. So I got him to do his uh, Lee Donowitz thing from True Romance. So I was quite that was that. You, that was your autographed picture that you posted the other night too, right? It was, yep. That is awesome. I laughed at that. Like I had to show. Yeah, he, uh, he did tell me. He said, "I'm going to write this on it," and I'm like, "Okay." He went, "I'll write it. I will. I'll do it." I'm like, "Go for it. Write whatever you want. I ain't going to argue with me." Um, and he did. Um, there was a, a, a panel which I recorded, and a couple of minutes before the panel finished, a big Tannoy announcement came over and go, "Oh, in this panel hall, such and such will be coming up." So Saul Rubinek's like. Well, I guess that's them t- trying to tell me to fuck off. <laughs> and I'm like, wow. So I collared the guy who was doing the Q&A thing, and I went, can I have the last question? So he went, all right. And I said, uh, in response to the Tano announcement, what would your character from True Romance, film producer, Lee Donowitz, say to the Tano announcer? And he went, go fuck yourself. And I'm like, hey! <laughs> so I'm going to be uh, releasing a lot of the panels as podcast episodes. I've got the uh, Edward James Olmos, RJ Mitty, Saul Rubinek and stuff on audio so I'm going to be putting them out they're a lot of fun so uh, I did do a lot of video there's a lot of crazy cosplay so it is uh, all my Comic Con footage is, is filling up a hard drive nicely I've just got to sit down and work out what sort of order to put it in <laughs> it's like oops well I look forward to, I look forward to checking that out I'm, I'm excited to uh, I'm excited to see what you what you got Definitely. I've got a plan for the final part of my experience in Comic-Con as well that I'm talking over with somebody. It's it's kind of hefty, but I think I might end up doing it. So That should be fun. But I'm not saying any more than that because it might not work. So. <laughs> <laughs> we shall see. But it was a good weekend. Thank you. It was all right. So, yeah, this week is just catching up on films and podcasts and watching movies and stuff. 
So yeah. <sighs> this is November. What the hell? I know. Where's 2015 gone? Disappearing very quickly. It's not right. I know. Feels like it should be July. It went by fast. It certainly did. A lot of stuff has happened in 2015. Yeah, just my brain has to go into the gear now with sorting through the list of films I watched this year to discern which are the worst and which are the best. Best Spectre. Go for that. God, no. <laughs> put it, that's gonna, put it in that win an Oscar. Would you believe it? it um, Spectre, because uh, I have my scale of 1 to 10 just held me at the end of the year, because I, I don't rate films uh, by number, but it, it just helps me picking out of the list of the myriad of movies that I watched. I give Spectre a 4 out what? of 10. I should give it a 4 out of 5. 4 out of 5 will be fine. What did you give Skyfall? Um, when I watched it the first time, I gave it a, a 5 out of 10, because I didn't think very God. much of it when I first saw it. When I, I saw it a second time, so I thought I'd give it a second chance, and I gave it less of a score because I was spotting mistakes in the film. So that's when you know you're definitely <laughs> bored of the movie, when you start spotting mistakes in a movie. And so, yeah, it, it got a Or four. if you don't spot them... Because you're loving it like I was. I missed all the mistakes. Hey, man, I, didn't see I don't any. even want to ask you how you feel about the Roger Moore era. Amazing. That would just be... <laughs> yeah. He is my Bond. So, but yeah. I really... Yeah, but it, he was the Bond in the 70s, so I'm just assuming Stu hates him. It's <laughs> <laughs> a very good point. Yeah. But no, don't be put off by Stu's misguided rants about Spectres. I love it. That's why I listen to the show. You guys are... <laughs> I love it. It's awesome. Stu put a thing on a Facebook thing going, would anybody like to hear my thoughts about Spectre? And I went, nope. <laughs> Can we, I'm not hey, just, I have, a, I have an idea for an end of the year show. I know we're not quite there yet, but you got to get just a show with Stu ranting about the three things he hates the most. And I know two of them is obviously Bond now and Paul Feig, and, and then figure out whatever the third one is and just let him rant, because I love it. I, I, was about, I was about to crash my car listening to him rant about Paul Feig that one time. That was awesome. Resident Evil um, 4 or 5. Or no, the, the Resident <laughs> Evil films, uh, they are really crap, but they, they don't deserve rants. <laughs> it's just anything that Adam Sandler makes prior to, uh, after Happy Gilmore, then I'll oh. I'll majorly rant about. So wait, you're not you're not that gonna like one of his watch first his movies. new movie. You're not gonna watch his new movie on Netflix. No, no chance. Unfortunately, the, I've reviewed the ridiculous three, six. No, God, no. I've reviewed three of his films this year, and because I don't know why I'm the one who to get them, I think it's just Andy, my co-host on the show that I do, just thinking, yes, it's going to be a hell of a lot of fun for the show if we get Stuart to watch. Uh, the Adam Sandler movies, just so he can review them. So <laughs> the best one that he's done is Hotel Transylvania 2 because he just does a voiceover rather than him being in it. But I, Jack and Jill. Yeah, I, I want to. I want to hear Stu <laughs> do a a live like podcast review of Jack and Jill as he's watching it. <laughs> a, DVD, a DVD commentary. Yeah, I want. I want. I would put that as an odd. I'd put that as bonus features on one of my movies, even though it's completely unrelated. <laughs> I would just put that it in there. Awesome. <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah. Honestly, because so. my show that I do, um, there is no swearing whatsoever. And when I reviewed um, Jack and Jill, because yeah, I, I, I had to see that film in the cinema and I had to review it. It was, I was so close in dropping the C-bomb, the B-bomb, and any kind of swear <laughs> bomb what, possible when reviewing that film. Because I think it's the most rant-heavy I've ever been on the show that I've, I've done. When I reviewed that movie, but I can't stand the guy. 
Stu does well, get you... really jittery about swearing and stuff, so usually when I'm on his show, like, which is like now and again when Andy's not around, I try and get as close to the edge as possible just to make Stu feel nervous. <laughs> I remember when Fifty Shades of Grey was in the chart, and I'm like, and coming in bottom place, it's Fifty Shades, you know, sort of really close to the sort of knuckle uh, innuendo type things. Just, and I like to imagine Stu's like, don't swear, unless it's involved in a clip. So yeah, I, I do enjoy teasing him. All right. Well, I unfortunately I gotta I gotta cut loose here. Um, I I would like to stay on and talk longer, but um, we. But you're not going to. No, no. I'm, but I'm not going to. Um, so anytime you guys, anytime you guys want to have me on, I'll try to make it uh, so that I'm not running away like halfway through. Um, but I'm gonna get out of here so we can try and get some shots done before the sun goes down. Um, and I don't know. I just thank you for having me on. And Jake, it was nice to meet you. And I, I had a lot Same of fun. Here, I had a lot of fun talking with you guys. I always do. You take care. Nice meeting you too, man. Shall, uh, Good luck the on the short film. All right, thanks, man. Have fun, Good guys. Keep us posted because yeah. I'd love yeah. to ch- get a chance to watch it, man. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, the, our Twitter has the stuff for our first one too. So our first one is up on Vimeo if you want to see what we're doing. But um, yeah, I'll definitely keep you guys posted. Cool. All right, bye guys. Awesome. Take care, Sean. Bye. Have a good day. There we go. Bye bye, Sean. Yeah, it always feels weird when you've got somebody and you know they're going to disappear at a certain time because you're always conscious of the fact that they've got to go. Yeah. So that's why there's like a few silences going. Um, do you want to go now or? Yeah. No, you're still here. Okay. Okay. We'll, <laughs> well you're looking. So it's, it's almost like stopping the bus just to see if somebody's going to get off. You know. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Anybody off? Uh, no. Okay. Carry on driving. So yes. So who's watched what? Have you watched anything, Jake? Um, films? Yeah, I mean, other than I think I forgot to mention people in just there uh, last time. Uh, but I watched. Uh, let's see. Uh, Halloween, the original '78. My, one of my favorites. You were talking about movies that you got to watch every year. I have to watch that oh, one every year. So. Uh, I started to watch Halloween 2, the original Halloween 2, not the Rob Zombie Halloween 2, uh, which See, I also actually... What do you actually... think? That I, I like that one. What, the Rob Zombie one? No, no, well, I don't, uh, the Rob Zombie one I watch is a novelty, but the the original... I do too. Zombie. I've always... I, I'll I like be honest with you, about the Halloween series, and I might be wrong here for a lot of people, but just me personally, I like the original... And it stands on its own, of course. But then I like Halloween too, and I like—I actually like Halloween H two O. There are things I don't like about it, but I—I I think it's a cool little trilogy. I enjoy that. So. It's a little too too much like Scream, but uh, if you if you can get past that, they got some good, you know, good Michael Myers suspense stuff going on in there. So, but and two James two Lee was Kurt is back again. Yeah, and two was cool. I enjoyed it. It, it I saw it. Uh, it was like a double feature back when I was a kid on TV, and, and I just remember really. And I was probably the TV version because they had like the the famous re-edit over here that they would play on TV, uh, and it was cool. What's your uh, thoughts on Halloween season of the witch? I like it just for the to be up. It's front. fun. It's fun. It's, yeah. I mean, once again, I think I've had the same reaction that a lot of people did the first time I saw it. Where's Michael? But if you get past that, it's it's pretty cool. That's because that was supposed to be in Halloween two season of the witch. 
Right. Because, yeah, it was just yeah, the that... fact that the original intention for the Halloween series was that each film was going to be different to the latter one. It's just because the first one, it, it garnered some kind of success, so they decided to do a sequel with Michael Myers in it and put uh, Halloween Season of the Witch on the back burner because that was technically going to be the proper second Halloween film, just that they were going to have different feels to it. So they released the, that as the third one, but obviously it's got got no ties into it and went back to Michael Myers with the fourth one. One of yeah. the best endings. Of that. I love the ending to that. Stop the advert. Stop the advert. Stop the advert. Stop the advert. Credits. Amazing. <laughs> you have to. Love you it. have to. You have to kind of appreciate that idea that Stu just said too. I would. I wish there was still somebody out there like you know that had that ability like John Carpenter to do something like that. Did you guys ever see his? He had. He just kind of abandoned it. I think because he didn't really want to be part of something that he had to do every week or whatever but when he was going to do the the thing for showtime called body bags and it was almost yeah. like a tales from the crypt type thing did you guys ever see that yeah that was released on vhs over here yeah yeah, it, 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 yeah. it's cool i enjoyed it and um the the segment that he and i think he was the coroner or whatever as he was sort of playing the role of the crypt keeper kind of you know introducing the various stories but it had some really funny like dark humor bits and in there and and um the seg- the segment that he directed was a fun little slasher thing, and even Wes Craven threw it, did a cameo in there that was kind of fun. So I I rewatched that recently. That was that was, and it still holds up. I enjoyed that. I kind of uh, want to see like if they could have done more with it if it had became a series, but it probably would have been disappointing in the in the long run. I'm sure it would have ended up being like uh, the Masters of Horror type thing, which had some really cool stuff, but. Ultimately, just some really shit stuff as well. No, right. We've been watching those at random, still working our way through. That's right. the best way some to watch it, are... though, at random, because random. they have no ties to the previous one any, anyway. So that is the best. You can use the scattergun approach with that with that series, The Masters of Horror. That's what was that's what was so good about it, though, because you were never actually tied down to twelve episode series of something, right? And you and you know, inevitably, just like even like a twenty four episode season, like we do over here inevitably some of it's going to be filler, some of it's going to be crap, but once in a while you'll come across something awesome. Tales from the Crypt was that way, too. Yeah. Um, uh, but, yeah, the the Body Bags is even like that. Even with four set, four movies or whatever, I think it was four shorts, but the, the ones that stand out are the John Carpenter one and Toby Hooper did one, I think, with Mark Hamill. That one's really cool. Um, and it wasn't that the idea behind Masters of Horror. It was just to get these, these great you know, horror directors to come in there and do something, you know, just, you know, whatever they wanted to do. So, Yeah, it was. I used to, um, that's what I still sort of do, sit down with Annette and watch one, and then she'll be like, who made this? And I'm like, like Larry Cohen or whatever. She's like, what else did he do? So it's like, a, he did this, this, this. She's like, oh, I want to watch that one. Um, I think one of the worst ones I saw was a Dario Argento one, which you think, oh, this will be good because it's Dario on it. Really wasn't. No, the, well, people have misconceptions about Dario Argento. They, they think that he's, uh, he's a masterful director. He was a masterful director back in the seventies. So there is uh, parts of the <laughs> that I do actually like. So he was a good director back then, but the kind of stuff that he releases now is atrociously horrible. So yeah. uh, very that's what my wife. My wife was like looking through the Netflix queue, and she's like, ooh. Because we were kind of on a Dracula kick. Uh, she had read the book, and she was wanting to see the different film versions. And So we watched the Christopher Lee Dracula. We watched, of course, the Bela Lugosi. And I was wanting, wanting to get a hold of the Francis Ford Coppola film that Gary Oldman was Dracula. I wanted to get that, but I don't have a copy of it. 
the uh but when when she was going through the Netflix queue she came across Dario Argento's Dracula whatever the new one that he just did was and I said no 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 don't yeah, watch seen that. it I, I I had to review that thing and it is as as bad as you think it is it is uh, horrible that that movie it, it's just because with you you're gonna the the thing of being a cult director but that doesn't mean that you will always be a good director. Um, right. And unfortunately for him, he's fell off majorly. All of his movies now that he releases is just horribly bad. So the, he sort of like tarnishes his record in a way. In my opinion, there is only that still directs today. There is only one director who is just constantly hits out, hits it out the park, and that's Guillermo del Toro. So, yeah, but like you said before, he comes from uh, wanting to tell a great story. Uh, yeah, not just. I'm going to make a horror movie and very rarely does he make like a straight, just like, you know, hardcore horror film anyway. So that's the difference. I think, uh, Dario Argento definitely has contributed to the genre for no, no doubt about it. I mean, people, Oh hell yeah. I mean, Suspiria alone would have made him a, a go-to name, but he's done some other cool stuff. Like you say, but I'm with you, man. I, and it's sad to see that. I don't know if it's cause he, go, he went crazy or what the deal is, but, well, when you get your daughter in a film, film and sex scenes with your daughter in it, that's kind of creepy. Yeah. And so that, that he's obsessed with getting the Asia agenda just naked all the time in any movie that he makes, and so it, it's just, <laughs> yeah. it, it's really weird when he does it's that. It's exploiting, it's exploiting your own daughter, yeah, just, for, yeah. yeah, just for distribution or whatever he's doing it for. So. It is kind of weird. You can't imagine him going, right, that was very good, Asia, but just do it again, please. Show a bit more. You're like, no, that's your child. It was, um, I saw a science fiction film called UFO, which had Jean-Claude Van Damme in it, and it had his daughter in it, and Jean-Claude Van Damme was like having a fight scene with his daughter, and you're like, that looks kind of weird. <laughs> He's beating up his child. <laughs> so, yeah. Very odd. Just to give Van Damme a mention, because he needs more mentions. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, back to you, Jake. I think this would generally just be a podcast where we just go through some of the stuff we've watched. And uh, that, I mean, other than that, I've what you know been continuing my Buffy the Vampire Slayer marathon. So, and my wife has never seen much into the second season, so it's getting to the part of the the series where it got really, you know, really good. If you like that, if you like that series to begin with, but I, I enjoy it. I think it's cool. Are you then going to sort of segue into Angel? I don't know. You know, that's I've never watched that series, but I've had people tell really? me that they really liked it. So. Yeah, yeah, I prefer it to Buffy. Really? Cool. Yeah. Well, I may do that. I may even get on somebody's nerd blog and see how they all intertwine and try to watch them in order, maybe. We'll see. Because <laughs> wasn't there like a... I remember they were on different networks. I do remember that because I had friends that watched both. And it was kind of strange because the intention was for them to cross over, but there was a lot of episodes that aired out of order. Because of the, the the being on a different network and all. Yeah, I don't think it would matter if you didn't watch them in that sort of geek order because you'll generally just have somebody show up in Angel and they'll be from the the Buffyverse and it's kind you know, of kind of like comic books or something. Kind of, yeah. So it's uh, or you know X Files and Millennium that type of thing. Oh, bad. So. No, I'm a huge fan of both of those as well. So. Me too. I love Millennium. Yeah. Have you seen that show? Please tell me, Steve. Yes, I Millennium. love Millennium. Good. Yeah, now, I would, first I, the the way I look at Millennium, it was sort of like the darker brother of the X-Files. The X-Files did push the genre a lot, but Millennium sort of like pushed it slightly further because, you know, it was going to be a bit more graphic. Yeah, it was a lot darker in atmosphere. Uh, the X-Files 
had episodes that were, like you say, but there was a lot more humor and fun. And I mean, not to say I didn't, I love Millennium, but yeah, there's a much more, uh, the atmosphere is a lot heavier in Millennium. It's it's totally worth it though. I, there's nothing like that on TV anymore. We had those shows, and even Buffy got heavy at times. We had really cool horror comedy, you know, various things on TV at that time, and we'd have nothing like that now. <laughs> I mean, not not in that way. The closest you get with horror on TV now is American Horror Story and uh, a couple other odds and ends, but you, it's just not as cool as it used to be. Yeah. I sound like an old man. <laughs> being grumpy about what, when I was a kid, TV was cooler, but it was. So. <laughs> TV was cooler because we had less to watch. Yeah, <laughs> and I have to argue. I think there is too much to watch nowadays. You've got too much access. Um, you can just somebody uh, somebody recommends. Oh, you should watch Lost or The Walking Dead. Bang, five seasons that you've got to plow through just because somebody went watch that one. Um, whereas when we were growing up back in the early days, if you didn't really see it on TV, you had to go and get it on VHS or whatever, but you know, I do think TV was better when we were kids. Yeah, and then it was really, unless you bought one of those little, I think X-Files used to put like a VHS tape with like three or four episodes on it. Oh, yeah. That was the only way to see them, unless you unless you uh, called a a marathon. Like, I don't know if they did it over there, but over here we have, they'd have like an X-Files marathon on Sci-Fi Channel or FX or one of those channels, and you could just put in a, pop in a VHS tape, put it on SLP, and just like fill the tape up with X-Files <laughs> it was great yep. that's what I used to do they used to release the two part episodes onto an actual yeah, VHS tape so I used to pick those up but I used to watch it on Sky when it was uh, aired at the time it's one of those very few seasons that I got shows that I got into right at the beginning yeah. so it's like oh that show's airing next week that looks interesting I'll watch it whereas a lot of other shows you get into because people then recommend it to you. Well, I had a similar childhood to Stu as far as I was introduced to horror movies at like five. So I loved that, that kind of stuff. And when I met my wife, she really wasn't raised on scary stuff. And the X-Files was her gateway, you know, like her, you know, her, her uh, introduction to the genre. So I would recognize things being a horror fan that she didn't pick up on, but she loved the show. So when we were dating, we would, I'd go over to her house and they would have, this was like the early DVR days and she would have marathons of X-Files on the DVR. So we would just go through episodes and that was kind of fun. Cause I could watch something we both enjoyed and actually for different reasons. So, but it kind of got her more open-minded to watching scary movies with me later on. So it was cool. And you've uh, you've seen them all, the X Files, because I haven't seen the very last season. Yeah, I've, I own it. I've got it in the house, but I've just never got around to it. Well, yeah, I've seen them all, and I actually like. I'm one of the few people that liked the finale. I mean, at that point, considering where the show had gone and how far it had been stretched, it it was you know it did a, a decent enough job. I'm looking forward to the re the revival of it. I'm 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 actually really excited about that. Yeah, no, me because that last that last movie didn't really do it for me, but. No, because it didn't really tie into any mythology stuff, and they don't necessarily have to, but it was just... Even as a standalone, it would have been a dull episode. I mean, it wasn't yeah. horrible, horrible, but as an episode, it would have been dull. So. Yeah. It wasn't the best, was it? So, Stu, you've got a big long list of stuff you've watched. I do. Start um, rattling through. I've got like five films. Mine would be easy, so I'll let you <laughs> uh, go first, Stu. Yeah, Paranormal Activity, The Ghost Dimension. The final entry into the Paranormal Activity series, the sixth film. 
Um, yeah, it, it, it's sort of like the worst thing about the Paranormal Activity series after the first one, it, it just lost its way because um, it, it was just signpost the scares and all that kind of stuff. And after the first one, it just didn't work. And the, the story is very convoluted. This one, it ties pretty much supposedly everything together. And so it's all about Toby again and Christy and, and Katie and this little girl who gets possessed. And supposedly she is the vessel for the Antichrist, which is Toby and it's yeah it's not very good at all when it uses the 3d for the ghost dimension stuff at first you think oh that, that that's not bad the particle effects which come at you at the screen it, it is not bad but then it just overuses that because it uses it like 10 times in the film and it sort of repeats itself and then the last 15 minutes goes batshit crazy and it just it, it's <laughs> lost its way completely that series so it, it it ends off on a bit of a dumb squib considering it's the last one you expected to tie up all the loose ends when it doesn't even do that the lab, the, the end is very ambi- uh, it's just ambiguous and it's just pointless the way it ends just actually gives you more questions which for a series where it, it, it is supposedly answering the questions that you have what's the point of giving you more questions yeah. if they ever decide to do another sequel maybe <laughs> probably yeah and so you could say, if you look at the trajectory of the how that each one of the films did at the box office, they got worse and worse and worse. Yeah, I love the first one. I a lot of people hate it. I actually really enjoyed it. I, I went actually went back on one of those stupid Facebook take you down memory lane things and realized that I was I loved the movie more when I right after seeing it from what I posted on Facebook. I didn't even remember that was my reaction. I think because I have so much personal backlash against the series after that that I forgot how much I really did like the first one. The scary, the scary thing about uh, the Paranormal Activity series is the fact that the combined budget of all six films is around about fifteen million. Yet worldwide, it's taken around about nine hundred million. So yeah. nine hundred million of fifteen million. That, that, that's insane uh, returns back. That that's made Jason Bloom just happy for the rest of his life. If he if he never do, um, was producing any other film ever again, he he's managed to make nine hundred million of fifteen million. Just. just hey. More power to them. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. Oh, yeah. And, and then I watched uh, Tales of Halloween. So that, that's a film, a portmanteau movie, where it's multiple different stories. Um, obviously, with these portmanteau movies, some of the films, they're, they're, they're not very good. But um, the, the, you do have movies in it which are sections in it which are work really well. And so that, that's the case with Tales of Halloween, yet the weakest parts of it still actually were entertaining enough to carry the flow on with the film and so you've got multiple different directors including Neil Marshall who I absolutely adore and try to, I've no. tried my best to get Stuart to try and get him on as a guest on the show because I would love to pick his brains he, he's a fantastic director and so he, his movie is the end one in the Tales of Halloween section and it's very over the top but it's very over the top in Neil Marshall's way and so yeah I, I actually enjoy Tales of Halloween it, it's a it's one of those ones where you'll put on with like trick or treat at Halloween, and it makes a good double bill because they're very That's similar cool. in tone. Yeah. Now, are the are the little segments connected, or are they pretty much random, a la ABCs of Death? Yeah, they're pretty much random, but you've got like a woman saying this is um, sort of like telling the story kind of thing, so a crypt keeper kind of character. Yeah. See, I always liked the creep show movies when I was a kid, so, and trick or treat I loved, and so I and I like and I'm with you. I like Neil Marshall a lot, so I would. I would definitely check that out when I get the chance. Nice. It's on, um, I don't think it's out on DVD yet. It's, it's Vimeo on demand and iTunes. Yeah. Think, uh, at the minute. I'm hoping it does come out on DVD because I'm not a fan of watching stuff on a PC. I just, 
I don't know, I'd rather just sit in a living room and watch on an actual screen that doesn't have a bloody keyboard next to it. Yeah, unless I'm in a situation where that's the only way, but I'm with you. If you can watch it at home, you'll definitely enjoy it more most of the time. Yeah, because it's only what, about, it's only like $5 or something, so it's a real, it's a low price to rent it, Um, but it's just, I really want the thing on DVD. Um, I Spit on Your Grave 3, the third part in the remake stuff of I Spit on Your Grave. Um, I hate the second one. The the second one is awful because when you take a traumatic event with rape, with the the first one, this even the remake of the first one as well, it's a it's a harsh watch to watch the rape scene in the film. And so with the sequel, what they decided to do is do that multiple times, and it dilutes the turmoil of the first rape. And so you're just going, oh, you're not using that plot point again, and you're using it again. You've just built up the character's confidence. And then you're going to destroy it again, and then you're going to destroy it again, and she's meant to pick herself up after the third incident. It just didn't work at all. Whereas with the third one, they sort of like allude to the rapes, but they never actually properly show any rape in the third film. It's about to happen, but it doesn't actually properly get shown. So I appreciate the director for doing that. There is, it's still really brutal. There is one scene in the film which, let's just see it. If you're a male and if you do not feel any pain whatsoever, there is something seriously wrong with you. Because it just involves a knife and the worst kind of circumcision possible. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there, there, are some, there are some graphically nasty scenes in this, but it doesn't go over the top like the second one did. And it never fully rely, um, relies on... Um, the main character being raped multiple times just to strip away her humanity and for her to build it up because she's already got that there. She's already affected from the things that she's gone through. And so it's all in her mind. So every single time when she walks down the street, she thinks that a group of people who were just there having a conversation with each other are going to turn on her and brutally beat her up and brutally rape her. So it's all there set in her mind in the film. And we didn't need to be shown it all the time. So the third one is not bad. It's much better than the second one, so, but it's still, it's still a bit, I, won't, I wouldn't say boring, but it's just still, it's not as good as the original I Spit on Your Grave, because that one really does hit you hard. Do you mean the original remake, or the original, the original, ori- the original, the original, yeah. original oh, that's terrible on film. It, yeah. it really, but it, it really does hit you hard in the stomach. You feel oh, pretty, God, you yeah, feel yeah. really sick when you watch the the rape scene in the in the original one. And so, with it being very Hollywood esque now, to try and get that feeling back is a hard thing to do. And especially yeah. when you're the third it's one. Like the, to me, it's it's like when you compare the original Last House on the Left with the remake. It's not that it was bad. It's just it doesn't have that same. You know, like you said, it doesn't have that same feeling of all... It almost feels like a snuff film, and the remake yeah. doesn't have that same feel. So, Same with the uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and a lot of that before it gets to the crazy grandpa or whatever. Yeah. That film feels... Yeah. You feel kind of sordid and dirty for watching it, because it's... Yeah, I don't know, and it's, it's not even that graphic. It's just a weird feeling you get when you're watching it, yeah. Yeah, so pretty much Last House on the Left does remind me of Texas Chainsaw, or vice versa. Yeah, um, but again, both films from the seventies. Just quickly go through the rest of the ones I've seen. Hellions, which I had a review last week on my. I didn't like it. I thought it was a really bad movie. It's from the the director of Pontypool, which I really liked. Pontypool. I thought Pontypool oh, yeah. was a very effective film, 
Um, Hellions just doesn't work. He's trying to do a very stylized um, movie where a 17-year-old girl, she's left at home during Halloween when her mother and uh, sister have gone out trick-or-treating and then she gets besieged by these uh, masked creatures. And it, um, he goes for very sepia kind of tones, reds and very dark greys and tries to shoot it with more stylized visuals rather than being very effective on any of the tension or scares and it just doesn't work at all. He doesn't bring any of his ingenuity that he did with um, Pontypool in the film, which is a shame. Because, I, like I said, I, I really did like Pontypool. Um, I've already mentioned Scout, Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse. Very good comedy horror movie. If you're, yeah, if you're in your mood for that kind of thing, then definitely see it. There is a really funny scene involving a trampoline and an old man's dangly bits. <laughs> Yeah, so I'll, I'll just leave it at that. It is comical. I think when I went to see it at the cinema, everybody in the screening of it appreciated the movie for what it is. So you didn't get these the, these ones where people were on the phones all the time. They were enjoying the humor of it. They were laughing at the right moments. They were grimacing at the right moments. And so I think I was in the perfect audience for it. They just went along with the ride. They knew what uh, they were going to expect from the film because it, it isn't any, anything that's never been done before. But it's sort of like that enjoyable kind of thing. So, yeah, if you see it with an audience like that, in that in mind, you'll enjoy it much more. Uh, Krampus, the Christmas Devil. Obviously, it's jumping on uh, Michael Doherty's Krampus, which is out in December. It's trying to Yes, I want to see that so bad. <laughs> same here. Do not see Krampus, the Christmas Devil. It's, it's, <laughs> it's one of the worst films I've seen this year. It, it, it's garnered one of the rare times that i've ever given a film a one and this is definitely i give this film a one it, it's so amateurishly shot you appreciate these people who have a very small budget to create a horror film because it's a really difficult thing to do when you create a, a horror film on a budget so tiny you need to use your mind you need to use your ingenuity to come up with different ways of being able to get your story across but the director on this this film just didn't give a fuck at all it was like he was given $10,000 and then just pissed it all up the wall and thought, shit, I need to make a movie somehow. Let's get me mates. Let's shoot it on the shittiest camera I can possibly find. Let's have the worst special effects, a Krampus kind of character in it, in a costume, and just shoot a horror movie. It's, it's awful. Wow. Have we got an extra co-host uh, this evening, Jake? Yeah, I think my family, I think my family wants me. So. <laughs> oh, no. They're pulling me away. Oh, um, no, that's but yeah. Is it, this can be the episode where people get dragged away, Stu. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> it's like then there was it's like the thing. Oh God! <laughs> this could be me and you sit next to a campfire. And then oh. um, the fact that I probably am going to have to go, unfortunately. But I'll okay. Um, <laughs> uh, I know that's that's <laughs> awkward, and I just derailed the whole thing. But not a problem. Um, but yeah, you again. Obviously, you know Jake. You're welcome back anytime. As was Sean, who yep. disappeared early. It's like Jurassic Park when they're in the thing, and uh, here I am in the vehicle. <laughs> it's like it's, it's, it's like a horror movie, man. We're just disappearing one. This by is one. like Unfriended. Yes, it is. <laughs> but yeah, you, t- you, you take guys, care, Jake. And, and uh, I hope you guys will have me. Back. Oh, I'll, totally. And I'll try to arrange it that I won't be. Uh, I won't be pulled away. <laughs> not, um, a, not a problem. But, if you guys ever need I, another co-host, then for sure I will be. I will make myself available. So definitely, and just so you know, I'm editing none of this out. This is all going to say. <laughs> so John Fouts will be taking a 
piss out of you for your evacuation during a show. <laughs> I feel awful about it. I was trying to like <laughs> make it to the it. end. And I will, and I will um, listen to the rest of it so I can hear the rest of Stu's list. And I still hope you guys will have a good, good old-fashioned Spectre debate after this is over. So I was we, looking forward to may, that. We may well just do that for you. Yep. All right. You just need some sounds of like a like a, a boxing match in the background. Yeah. yeah I'll play the Rocky soundtrack. <laughs> Bit of Survivor. Either Tiger will be going on. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It, and I can't, I can't, I can't, the, I can't keep the kids out of the room at this point. So it's going to be like the brood if I don't go ahead and just get off the phone. So. Oh, yeah, I'll, that's uh, cool. you, take care, Jake, and I shall. Uh, we shall speak to you very soon. Okay, thanks, guys. <laughs> Have a good one. No problem. So then there were two stews. Yeah, there was two stews. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Um, yep. Let's carry on down your list. Yeah, uh, the Vatican tapes. Oh, yeah, I've been getting a lot of PR stuff for that. Yeah, um, it's, it's from, uh, no, I need to actually get the guy's name right, because it's part of the, the duo Neverdean and Taylor, um, the people who did Crank and um, the last Ghost Rider movie. Uh, Mark Neverdean is the one who uh, did this one. So he's got sort of like gone off from that duo of uh, Neverdean and Taylor, and he decided to do his own uh, film. It's a possession movie. Um, again, nothing we've ever seen before. It has a batshit, um, crazy ending, very open ending as well. So there's an indication that there might be a second one. This is just getting thrown into about six screens in the UK. Uh, and then it's probably, uh, my guess is come straight out on, uh, on DVD and Blu-ray. It's already available on Amazon in America. So it, it'll be, uh, it'll be available pretty much very quickly over here because it's getting no release whatsoever. Over here, and it, it's okay. I've seen much worse in this in this kind of ilk, but it, it's only okay. Okay, so it's not worth like running out and getting. No. But if there's one on your desk and you've nothing else to watch, then check it out. Yeah, and then the last two, Deathgasm, because I've been hearing a lot of things about Deathgasm, a low-budget New Zealand film about a group of rockers who unleash the, the devil by you singing a song backwards, and yep. it, it's very much like the old uh, it's sort of like got a brain dead kind of feel to it with evil dead mixed into it it isn't as successful as both those films as a matter of fact it, it isn't wholly successful as a as a horror film the way a lot of people are actually making it out to be is get oh this is a brilliantly quirky funny gory in indie kind of movie it only becomes that in the last third the last 35 40 minutes of the movie you have to slog through 40 minutes of sort of like tedium to get to the best stuff. And when it does get to the best stuff, you wish that it actually was like that throughout the movie. But yeah, it, it's okay, it's fine. But I'm not as impressed with it as a lot of people are, are with it. And then Hell, which we've both seen. Yes, we have indeed. Just while we're on about Deathgasm, they were uh, talking about that in the Bind Torture cast a couple of episodes ago. So that was one. That's the first time I'd heard of the film until you mentioned it uh, then. But yeah, Howl. Um, I remember it coming out on the 16th of October for sort of limited cinema release. I thought, I really want to watch that. Got shown at Fright Fest. I don't want to watch it. And then I was in Alstom and I'm like, holy crap, it's on DVD. So I snapped it up and managed to get around to watching it last night. What were your thoughts on Howell? Well, I like, uh, I like Paul Hyatt. Um, he's yeah. worked with Neil Marshall pretty much on everything that Neil Marshall has done. And so that I, I saw like he's got an eye for detail. If you look at the the stuff with dog soldiers, um, it, it, it's very it, it werewolves kind of thing. But I love those those creations, and so he goes with werewolves with this one after doing the season in the house, wasn't it? Where he 
Yes. He, he did pride to that, which I really like the season now, apart from the last 15 minutes of the film. Um, yeah. But yeah, with this one, I didn't like it as much as I wanted to. Because again, m- my guess is he was given a small budget. And so when you've given a small budget, you need to you need to do as much as you possibly can with it, which he does. So you can definitely tell it's a small budget movie, but he definitely squeezes every single penny out of the budget that he's been given. Because it's predominantly just set on one set which is set inside of an abandoned tree and a tree that's broken down. And um, something's outside. These werewolf kind of lycanthropian creatures are outside. And so it's up to the people in, inside this tree and carriage to survive. And obviously you've got the turmoil between them. They're, they're shouting at each other. They need to try and stick together. You've got the one guy who's a bit of a dick, actually a big, <laughs> massive dick. Um, and so, yeah, you've got all the stereotypical characters in that kind of sort of like claustrophobic environment, but you never feel claustrophobic while watching it, which is a shame because you do when you watch things like The Descent, the claustrophobia in that movie is suffocating at times, whereas in this one you don't feel it at all. And unfortunately, when it does get to the werewolves, the werewolves just felt like meowing kittens to me (laughs) rather than being werewolves. They just didn't have the impact. And considering that he's worked on that kind of thing in the past, you would expect him to bring what he's worked on in the past into into this. And he just didn't do that. And so there are parts of the movie that I definitely didn't like at all. But yeah, there's parts of the film where I thought, yeah, it's working to me. There is some nice inventive gore in the movie, which is always a good thing to see in a horror film. So it's a hit slash miss for me. It's a mid middle of the road kind of movie, not a middle of the road forgettable film, but a middle yep. of the road kind of ah, it's on TV kind of movie. Let let's just watch it. Yeah, middle of the train tracks type yeah. thing. Yeah, I found it a refreshing change from the seasoning house, which I loved because the seasoning house was a really serious film with hard subject matter and this that and the other. Howell is. A good old fun popcorn, yeah, big were- big werewolves trying to get in a train carriage to just eat people and stuff. So it was more of a, uh, it was it was more entertaining, I think, than the seasoning house. The seasoning house was quite a tough film to watch. Howell was just a, a good old giggle. Um, you mentioned the stereotypical characters, and they were, but anybody that's been on a train, you've encountered those people. I have. Each time somebody's whinging about, you know, I've got to pay the full fare, or there was the girl there with the the phone that wouldn't turn down, you're like, yep, I've sat on a train with you before. So I loved all that sort of stuff. But it did, it it made me chuckle. So that was, I think I watched that about 10 or 11 o'clock last night. That was one of my uh, late ones. Jake Allman's just put a tweet out saying he he feels awful about running out. (laughs) I'm going to just read it out so it becomes part of podcast history. I feel awful about running out, but it got hectic on this end. Couldn't keep the kids out anymore. So basically, we had Sean who was putting his movie first. And now we've got Jake who's putting his own children before the podcast. People just aren't dedicated. I don't don't get it. Do they not realize that the podcast should come first? I know. I know. So, but you know, I um, hope you will have, hope you will have me back. I will make arrangements. Well, Stu, you and I can sit off air and decide whether Jake has has uh, pissed on his chips and whether he's well, closed we, the door permanently for himself. We have to let him back, <laughs> considering how much he talked about us on on his show. So, good point. Mm. So yeah, we, we would have to with gritted teeth, probably, but we, we'd have yeah. to. He has to bring us back some sweets, though. He does. Yes. <laughs> Definitely, uh, but no, Jake, you're welcome anytime. Um, but no, I enjoyed Howell. 
it was good. It was fun. It it just made me chuckle. So, um, and when I saw Sean Pertwee's name on the credits, I'm like, oh yeah, here we go. Yes. <laughs> Poor old Sean Pertwee in pretty much every film he's in. It's not a spoiler, it's Sean Pertwee. So, yeah, wanna, it's an and Sean Pertwee. So you play the the drinking game, the UK drinking game, spot the Pertwee. Where is he? Yes. Yeah. If you can guess how many minutes he will last in the film, you win a prize. Yeah. So, yeah. But uh, and how well is pretty good. There's a bunch of making of documentaries and stuff on the DVD as well, which I want to check out at some point. Yeah, and Ash vs. the Evil Dead, which we've already talked about. And that's my lot for what I've watched, which is a lot, actually, oh. considering the last 10 years. It's not bad. I mean, I've been sort of playing a lot of Destiny and stuff on the old PlayStation 4, so that's been taking a lot of hours. But I've realised today I am suffering under the sheer amount of films that I've got to watch. So I've made a promise to myself not to buy any more DVDs until 2016. And I'm going to just make sure I try and get as many of the ones I actually own that I've not seen watched. Um, one of them was Knock Knock. Have you seen Knock I Knock? Have, I have. I reviewed it. Eli Roth. What did you think of Knock Knock? I liked it. I had a lot of fun watching that. I liked it, but I found Keanu Reeves' character more through the film turned into a child. He got, <laughs> yeah, he, did a bit. he got right on my... When he stopped crying and moaning like a little baby with the torture that he was get, getting given to him after doing yeah. the, the heinous act that he did, he was sort of like reluctant at first to let the two girls seduce him, yet he decided he to was. ultimately break. The moment that he sort of gave in, I'm like, Tuck, tuck, yeah, the moment he gave in is sort of like indicative to how Eli Roth creates his films. He's very much like that. He sets something up thinking that the characters that you that are in the movies are going to be very strong, and then ultimately destroys them. And that's what he did. That, that's what he does predominantly with most of his movies that he's involved with. He destroys his film pretty much, and so that that's how Knock Knock felt like to me. He destroyed the kite. He didn't destroy the film because I thought the no. film was fine. It just the more it got on, the more it went on, the more annoyed I was getting with the movie. But I never reached that ultimate plateau where I was thinking, "Will you just stop? Just stop, Eli Roth?" And um, so yeah, it's fine from what I can gather. It's better than the Green Inferno, which I've still yet to watch, which I need to watch. But, yeah, Lauren wasn't a fan, was she really? Yeah, I need, I'll, I'll have to watch it before we do our next show, so me and Lauren can have a, a discussion, probably the Greens. Well, I sort of lost a bet, because I thought, I said to Annette, I said, I, I, I bet that Stu didn't like Knock Knock, and I reckon he'll go, it's a pale imitation of Hard Candy. Which kind of is, but it's still a fun film. Hard Candy's obviously the better of the two, it's a more By a million miles. Oh, God, yeah. But Knock Knock, I had a lot of fun watching it. I, thought, I didn't even realise it was Eli Roth that directed it. I knew he had something to do with that figured producer or something like that. But when he came up directed by him, I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. But it just it didn't really feel like an Eli Roth film, as I know Eli Roth films from like Hostel and Cabin Fever and stuff. But it was it was cool. Killed an hour and a half. Yeah. So it was uh, it was all right. The, the very very ending was like, well, it sort of went a bit really comedy on the very last couple of shots, but. Uh, it sends you away with a good feeling and puts you off answering the door to any uh, women in distress or whatever. Yep. So, yeah, there we go. So I watched Knock Knock. I watched Poltergeist 3 on Netflix, which I've not seen that since 1988. Uh, I still like it. I think it's nostalgia. You know, it's, I saw that at the cinema when I was about 17 years old or whatever and uh, thought I'd give it a go and rewatch it. I have picked up the remake um, of Poltergeist, not yet watched it, and I've also picked up the original because it turns out I don't have the original on DVD, but now I do. So we were originally going to double bill 
and watch both Poltergeist, but there is not enough hours in the day um, to get those watched. And I watched a, a British film called Dartmoor Killing, which came out from Soda Pictures. It was okay, but it does that thing that they do in a lot of horror films, which scream poke the fo- you know poke the fun out, where it's just dumbass people making stupid decisions. Yeah. Um, two girls go up to Dartmoor on this sort of stag, you know, a hen night type thing, just to have a bit of an expedition. They go out walking on their own. Two women. They see a strange guy. They go over and talk to him. Dumbass move number one. Uh, guy sprains his ankle. Oh, can you carry me back to my car? They go, okay. Dumbass move number two. And then, uh, for some reason, I think his car won't start or whatever. So, oh, my house is near here. Would you like to come back to my house? Okay. Dumbass number three. And then they end up stopping over and I sort of gave up on it. I thought there's no way that people would be that stupid. But maybe they would be. Who knows? If that's the so, case, you need to add, um, with you having a PlayStation 4 now, you need to add Until Dawn to your Christmas list, um, the video game Until Dawn. Because then, at least, um, if there's dumbass decisions in the, the game, you've made them yourself. <laughs> and so you <laughs> yeah. will reap the repercussions of the dumbass decisions that you make in the game. And so, with it being a horror game, it's what you do can uh, affect the characters on in the game itself. So I think you'll appreciate it much more in that sense if you play that game. Nice. I shall check out Until Dawn. I've seen the box sitting on the shelves. Um, PlayStation-wise, I've got Destiny, The Taken King. I've got Mad Max. I have got Call of Duty Ghosts, because it was cheap. And um, obviously all the free ones that you get, like Drive Club and stuff like that. Yeah. So, but uh, I'm loving Destiny in a minute. It's very good. I finished it and got bored after it, because so, I had nobody to play through it with. So. Oh... Have you still got it, nope. or did you get rid yeah, of it? Yeah, I got rid of it ages ago. Because I've had my PlayStation 4 since launch, which was in 2013. So, I've had it. I've had mine, I've had mine since September, yeah. so I'm I've, still here. Yeah, it was an excuse to buy myself something big and shiny for Christmas, so I got that a couple of years ago. So, yeah, I've had it since launch, so I've been through all of that kind of stuff, and I'm just busy playing through uh, Devil May Cry. The definitive collect edition and uh, Dying Light and Fallout 4 when it comes out. Nice. So is that your next major game then? Fallout 4, yes. do you think? yeah. There's a lot of people excited about that. They were doing, they had a big uh, stall at the Comic-Con last week for pre-ordering that and they were giving you like a t-shirt or something silly if you ordered it. So There you go. Um, but yeah, Halloween episode. I am going to get this episode out tonight because it's got a nice little bit of Halloween music, and if I leave it a few days, it's not going to make much sense, because we're now into November. Um, but it would have been a crime to not do a podcast on a Halloween weekend. Yeah. So. But we do miss Lauren, see? There is a silence, because Lauren's not here. So hopefully she's okay, hard at work, I'm sure. And uh, we shall uh, schedule the next one when everybody's going to be here. Um, I'm going to try and line up some more interviews and stuff. I will see if I can at some point get Neil Marshall. Who knows? He's quite a biggie to get. I know he is a very busy chap, <laughs> but you never know. There is, a, there is a chance. And you know, at least if we did get Neil Marshall, there'll be nowhere in hell I'll be bad-mouthing him because, yeah, I think he's a fantastic director no matter what he does. So, so yeah, it, it's just like if you've got Guillermo del Toro, I think I'll go speechless if I was ever speaking to del Toro and considering how much of a brilliant person, not just in film and video games and stuff like that, he is. Uh, so, yeah, I'll be like a giddy little school kid. 
But there is, um, I mean, if there's anybody out there listening as well who have got any suggestions about any tweaks or things to add to the horror podcast, uh, drop me or Stu a tweet, let me know. Um, I am making some changes to some of the other podcasts, but this one I think works fine as far as I'm concerned. Nothing wrong with it. This is like the one show that I thought, uh, you know, a while back, I thought, oh, that'll be hard work, as in like two years ago. Um, but it's pretty much just runs itself like a, well, better than train did in Howell, yeah. really, because that was not the best functioning train, was it? Nope. So, what have you got planned for the rest of your week? Work. Are you doing your Monday movie show on a Monday? I don't know. Um, I it's just all landing on again Andy's shoulders, which most of the time it is on his shoulders. Because yeah, so I I don't know if it is going to be tomorrow night or not. If it is, it's going to be probably the shortest show we possibly uh, have done, we've ever done, considering that there is no new releases out thanks to Spectre. Yes, evidence just got the hell out of the way. So really? he's going to re-review Spectre, considering that I did it on the show last week and I was on my own, so he never never said his thoughts on, on the film itself. Which, by the way, um, early box office indications have put the film out in the UK in its opening week at 41.7 million. Nice. Which is a uh, it's broken uh, the world record for that. Just so you have to realise that that's from Monday to today. Yes, forty-one point seven million. Which the screening I went to was um, a couple of days back, and it was pretty busy. And it was a you know daytime screening, so ten to four, I think I went in. Yeah, the screen I went um, to see it in, it was sold out. I uh, asked about IMAX tickets and went, yeah, yeah, we've got some left. I'm like, okay. She went, uh, they're on the front row, though. I'm like, no, you're right. Don't matter. Yeah, and I, I'm not watching. <laughs> not doing and it. And IMAX had broke um, record as well of being the first ever film to go past $100,000 per screen, per IMAX screen. Wow. So that, that's even more, that's impressive. But yeah, I can't see why. It's Bond. People have a fondness for Bond. I know, but still, though. You know. We love Bond. I've seen every James Bond film other than one since 1979's Moonraker. I've seen every one on the big screen um, other than Tomorrow Never Dies. So I don't know why I didn't watch that one, but I was, I've seen all the others. I was so tempted to walk out as soon as Sam Smith uttered the first word of that awful open. Yeah, I was chatting to a few people on that because there is a bit of a backlash against Spectre for various reasons. I hate the Sam Smith song. I like the orchestral part. Yeah. We take his, his vocals out, but I pretty much hate anything that Sam Smith sings anyway. Same here. Because uh, Richie Edward just chatting to me, and said, you know, if you listen to the, the lyrics of the song, it makes sense. And I'm like, I don't even listen to the lyrics. I just hate Sam Smith. So you know, Sam Smith could sing my most favourite song ever, and I would hate it yeah. because it's Sam Smith. So. But the, yeah, the, the thing I had in my mind, uh, I was thinking as soon as the Sam Smith song was finished, I was going, it can't get any worse than what is what I've just heard there, and it didn't. Which you will probably hope in there. You were thinking, I really hope he says that it didn't. And if he says that it did get worse than what the Sam Smith <laughs> song is, there's something seriously wrong. But it didn't. It never reached that level of horribleness. But it never reached the level of horribleness. But it reached the level of boredom for me. So, so I didn't. I mean, two and a half hour film. I didn't look at a watch. Um, I think a lot of the danger is because Skyfall impressed a lot of people because people had seen Quantum of Solace they generally didn't like it I still quite like that one if you watch it straight after Casino Royale and Skyfall kind of blew a lot of people away and then everybody was expecting this one they always expect the next film to be better than the previous one but it doesn't work like that when you've got like 25 Bond movies or whatever 
you're going to have some are better than the others and so on. Um, but some of the complaints are where, oh, Daniel Craig looks tired. Well, kind of. He is 47 or whatever he is, so he's kind of knackered. Um, and within the film as well, he's tired. He's, Judy Dench has gone, so he's not happy and so on. So it's, uh, yeah, there is a bit of a backlash. But I think people will go and watch it because they love James Bond. Yeah. So. It's just you know. the name, but like you, you, like you lambasted me on um, Facebook. <laughs> I, I come back with the fact that even if you take the James Bond name out of it, I still wouldn't have liked the film. Just because it's got the James really? Bond name in the film doesn't mean that I'm going to uh, bash it because I'm not that much of a James Bond film fan. I didn't like yeah. the film because I didn't like the film. If you take the James Bond name out of it, even if you change the James Bond's character name to somebody else, I, I still wouldn't have liked the film that much. And that, that was the case with the film. I just didn't like it. I didn't like the film itself rather than the name. Yes. The name, yes. I like so the Spectre. Spectre's an interesting name to call it. It's a very, instead of saying 007 Spectre or James Bond Inspector or something like that, it's just called Spectre, which I like that. So that that's a small little move to do, and the same was with Skyfall. They, they just use Skyfall and sort of like you detach the, the James Bond name away from the, the films as of late with uh, what, what's happened with the Daniel Craig ones. So I like the fact that they've done that. But I just still found the film itself to be boring. I think one, my one tip would be for people who are going to go and watch it, who haven't watched the other Daniel Craig Bond films recently, rewatch them. Because there are story elements in here that do tie into the other Daniel Craig films. Um, and I know a couple of people that have come out of Spectre going, huh? Who's that person? And I've forgotten why it didn't make any sense. It kind of reflects back to the other Daniel Craig films. So if you've got the chance, rewatch them. And in my case, uh, and, no, don't. Just don't. Yeah, in your case, no. I mean, have you seen all the other Daniel Craig films? I have, yeah. You seen, yeah. So you've watched them all. Yeah, yeah. You've, you, uh, even though I bad made the Bond films, I've seen predominantly all of them. Yeah. So that I, yeah, I, it, don't ask me what my favourite James Bond film is because I just don't care. <laughs> wow. Uh, I would put Spectre up there as... It's in. I don't have a favourite one because it's not easy to rank 25 films, but I, if I had two lists, ones that I liked and ones that I didn't, um, Spectre would be in the ones that I did. I think if I had to have a list, I think the, the, I don't think there would be a like list, to be honest. It would be, <laughs> be ones like from Bond films. ones that I hated <laughs> to ones that I barely tolerated. And Spectre would wow. be very on the cusp of hated into tolerate. Whoops. Yeah. What did you think of Christoph Waltz, though? He played Christoph Waltz. He, he's played the, yeah, when he plays a bad guy. He plays exactly the same bad guy in every single movie that he is, that he's been in. He's a good actor, but um, if you go everything from Inglorious Bastards to this, it's exactly the same character that he's playing. Yeah, it is. Yeah, but it kind of works. It, it does for the first time you see it. Maybe it's the second time, but after you've seen it about fifteen times in different films, it just doesn't work because you're thinking, yeah. Um, so you're playing. Uh, Osterfell or whatever his character is called in, in this Oberhausen. Oberhausen, Oberhausen. Yeah. you played Oberhausen in that but yet you played you played exactly the same character with um, under the direction of Tarantino so you just expect Oberhausen to start talking about uh, hunting Nazis whilst drinking milk yeah. and stuff but he did have a nice cat there was a cat in it so we you know the cat was the best actor <laughs> oh bless no never mind Poor old Daniel Craig. But the thing is, it's like with Bond, I don't think anybody's going to be put off watching it because they like Bond and they'll go and see it. 
and it'll make lots and lots of money. It has. It'll easily pass the 100 million, which is the world record in this country from Skyfall. So it's going to absolutely obliterate that. It won't obliterate the worldwide box office because uh, across the world they don't they don't know Bond as much as we do. But it should easily top the 1.1 billion that Skyfall made at the worldwide box office easily. So it'll be uh, the next film to make a billion this year, which has been an insane year for films. And then Star Wars will come out and probably clock in at 1.4 billion. I don't think it will by the end of the year because it has a very short period of time to be able to do that. And so the world record is still with Jurassic World. I don't think it's going to have enough time to be able to actually do that uh, because it's not getting this extended release window neither. It's getting a proper release, so it's getting released across the world on on the same day, on the Thursday. So, yeah, I, I don't think it, it it's going to make it. It's going to be very close. Yep. And that's the reason why tickets are already sold out for screenings of it, which they are. Midnight screenings of it in my cinema for, for the new Star Wars movie is sold out already. Have you bought tickets for nope, it? Nope, I'll not go and see it at midnight. Yeah. I'll go and see it whenever I can get to see it. Cause I'm, so will I. So will I. I'm not a huge yeah. Star Wars fan, but it is one of those things where you have to go and see it because it is I'll, Star Wars. I'll go and watch it as soon as possible, and I'll just go on a podcast lockdown and a Twitter lockdown and a Facebook lockdown until I've watched it because I don't want people just ruining it. I mean, this time next week I'm doing a Star Wars podcast and I've already told a couple of people that are going to be on it. I don't want to hear any... Oh, in episode seven, this is going to happen. I don't care. I want it to be about the older films, not yeah. the new and, ones. And um, I'm going to have to see it before I do my show as well, because both me and Andy will review it, and we're getting also the people from Following the Nerd on the show, because it is going to just predominantly be about Star Wars, that, that show, so yeah. it's pretty much a Star Wars special. And then that week there, we do our end-of-year show as well, so that week is going to be stupidly busy for me, and work, especially working in retail at Christmas. <laughs> yeah. So if I'm not dead by the end of that week, then there's something seriously wrong. But yeah, um, I'm gonna have to see it before we we do that show. But I'm not, I'm lower lower expectations for me. Well, I've managed to keep the expectations lowish. Not in a I think it's gonna suck, but just I'm gonna go in, I'm gonna watch it, and then I'll decide what it's like when I come out. I'm not super hyped about trailers and all sorts of stuff. Because people are in a hide into nothing. If they go in and expect it's going to be like amazing, they're going to come out, you know, with a case of the old Jar Jar Binks yeah. and being a bit let down. So, but we shall see. But I uh, hope you had a happy-ish Halloween. Hope you get rid of that cold, Steve. I need it gone. I need it gone. Uh, thank you to Sean for the part-time appearance, and thank you to Jake Almond for a slightly longer part-time appearance as well. We have made it to the end of the Hunger Games or the Battle Royale or whatever, so we can go our own separate ways and then uh, resume for the next podcast. Yep. So enjoy. Lauren will be on the next podcast as well. Yeah, I'm sure Lauren will definitely be on the. It's only because it's Halloween we thought, well, we've got to do one. Yeah, and uh, even though I I created a lot of news, because there's a lot of news happened in the last 10 days, there's going to be a ton when we come back with the next show, because I've already got one, two, three, four, five new stories written down and some big ones as well. Nice. Good, good. So we'll have a word with Laura and find out. Maybe we can squeeze an extra show in in uh, November. Find out when she's free. Yes. And when, when you're free as well, obviously. All right, Stu. Well, I shall catch up with you soon. Okay, then. Take care and enjoy your evening. Bye.